This is ESG Decoded, the podcast powered by Global Affairs Associates to provide relevant, actionable updates related to business innovation and sustainability. Join Caitlin Allen and Amanda Shea of Global Affairs Associates for thoughtful, nuanced conversations with industry leaders that explore the complexities, the risks, and the opportunities connected to all things ESG. I'm Yvonne Harris, a consultant and co-host, and I will be collaborating with Caitlin and Amanda for the discussions that we will present on this podcast. Put simply, ESG is everything that is not on your balance sheet. This leaves room for misunderstanding, oversimplification, and the tendency towards one-size-fits-all perspectives. None of that will happen on this podcast. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to ESG Decoded. I'm your host, Caitlin Allen. And today I have with me Chris Parker, the director of the Plastics Credits Program at Climco. I am so excited to have Chris on today. This is an absolutely one-of-a-kind, really, really interesting topic and program, and I can't wait to dive in. Chris joined Climco in 2021 with 20-plus years' experience in energy and commodity markets, sustainability, conservation, and ESG. He leads Climco's Plastic Market Program, which partners with projects worldwide to recover and recycle plastic waste. This program expands financing mechanisms to scale the transition to a closed-loop economy while providing companies with ESG and corporate responsibility solutions to support ecosystem restoration. Before joining Climco, Chris consulted and led projects in both the corporate and environmental nonprofit sectors to create business solutions for a sustainable economy. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Caitlin, great to talk to you. I'm glad to do this. Absolutely. Let's let's start with a fun question, as I try to always. You have really incredible experience, both in financial markets and also on the environmental side. But I think where I'd like to start is your first job out of college. So what was the first thing you did right after graduation and why? Sure. So the, the first job I had of co- out of college was supposed to be a summer job, and it turned into almost four years. I worked as a fly fishing guide and instructor in Jackson Hole, Wyoming and the Cayman Islands. And so um, I went out to from the south where, where, where I live, went out to Wyoming, what was supposed to be for a summer working for a fly fishing outfit. And it turned into four years because, well, because I was working in fly fishing and I got to be in Wyoming and, and the Caribbean back and forth. And so, yeah, that, 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 that was definitely st- still still my favorite job. Sounds like a dream. So when you were out on the ocean all the time, you know, it was that kind of your first, your first interaction with ocean plastic? Well, I I grew up on the ocean, but, but certainly there wasn't anywhere near the plastic problem then as a kid that that there is today. But I do recall one day guiding on a, uh, on a, on a coral flat in in a mangrove area and a piece of green uh, floating plastic came by and, and picked it up out of the water to put it in my boat. And it was from the UAE. So it was from the other side of the world floating, floating along in the Caribbean. And so, and, you know, and th- this was back in, in the nineties, but I guess that, that was my, like my first indication a long time ago of, you know, the, the, the global plastic problem with the ocean, I guess. So that plastic had floated all the way from the United Arab Emirates to the Caribbean. It certainly wow. looked like it, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> impressive. 
Well, let's let's start right there at the very beginning with some definitions because you know a lot of this is very novel, uh, novel finance, novel market mechanisms to try and incentivize um, environmental protection. So let's just start with with what is a plastic credit. Can you give us the sort of 101? Sure. So probably a good amount of your listeners are familiar with with carbon offsets or carbon credits. In the most basic terms, a plastic credit is is a carbon credit or a carbon offset, but for plastic. And so a plastic credit uh, represents one ton of plastic that was either removed from the environment or recycled from a non-productive source. And so one credit really represents that 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 ton of plastic that was collected or, or, or processed. Like other instruments like carbon credits, it's a market-based mechanism. So it's the the, the price is you know, driven by driven by supply and demand. And they're something we can get into later, but that they're they're really the 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 structure of them is quite the same as, as carbon offsets and, and the, the the verification style and sort of act that way as a, as a as a credit for plastic, but but work like a carbon offset. Okay, and so when you say independent, you mentioned independent independently verified. There's not many of these out there, right? I mean, Climco technically brought to market the world's first plastic credit this year. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So there are today two public independent protocols for projects to work off from. One of them being Vera, which is which is one of the primary carbon offset registries. The other being it's called the Ocean Bound Plastic Certification, and it's by a by an NGO called um, Zero Plastic Oceans. Both protocols work pretty similar, where the project has to adhere to to, to the to the requirements of the protocol. Lots of documentation, both on the environmental and social aspects of, of, of the project's operations to be able to qualify to issue credits. And when credits get issued, each each ton credit gets an individual serial number, which is recorded and tracked on a public registry. And when a purchasing organization buys a credit, that credit actually gets retired on the registry and that 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 company can can use that offsetting claim if they want and that 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 credit can't get sold to anyone else that claim can't get used again so it sort of prevents double counting and you're right earlier this earlier this year in the summer Climco brought to market the world's uh, first plastic credit that came from one of these registries which require third-party verification auditing wow that's it's so interesting I mean it's a whole different world the the world of of environmental commodities markets because it's different than a tangible, you know, it's not a dollar that's being mm-hmm. traded. And I think the mechanisms behind behind these types of commodities to, to make sure that they are legitimate, to make sure that there isn't double counting, to make sure that there's traceability, all of that is, I think it's the sort of things that folks that are maybe hesitant to look yeah. at offsets as part of the solution, they're, they need to understand that there are systems set up to make sure that those ones that do make it to market are legitimate, specifically for plastic, because it's new, right? So a lot of the learnings, the difficult learnings from carbon markets, it seems like this plastic credit market has, you know, is starting far ahead, right? I was I would say that's right. The, the new plastic credit market has the benefit of looking back almost a decade and a half of what went right and what went wrong with with the with the carbon credit development. And so the sector can sort of start start off on, on a stronger place. 
out of the gate when when Climco started our program, we were only going to develop projects that were working on one of the two public standards that you know, that require this third party verification for a few reasons. One, uh, since we primarily serve larger corporate clients, it really provides the accountability, the transparency, and and in a way, sort of the, the risk management that that a large corporate is going to require you know, before deploying capital into, in, into an instrument like this. So, so it's really out of the gate designed to, to sort of serve that market. There are other programs around the world that that have sort of their own uh, type of plastic credit, but but they um, are working on sort of in their own program with their own type of claim. And then at the end of the day, sort of self-certifying themselves. And while I think that's going to work pretty well for individuals and and, and some small business, certainly that the large corporate sector you know, needs needs a level of, of accountability and traceability and and risk management. You know that these sort of instruments uh, provide now. Yeah, that makes sense. And especially you know, there's so much talk and interest from the investment community on this. I was just wondering what your perspective would be for as you know, you've sat at the desk as a finance guy, right? What When you think about the investor perspective on these types of environmental commodities, what do you think of? Well, I mean, for 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 investment funds or for investors and corporations who, who are using these as part of their sustainability platform, uh, I mean, it's 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 pretty much a can't live without sort of situation. I mean, if that they, they need that level of uh, of accountability that to, to work off of a standard that's that's created and overseen by by a, by a different entity, and then um, you're having the verification done by then again another entity. It's sort of like a corporation having a an outside CPA firm come come and do do their taxes and, and do their do their accounting. Uh, it's, it's just the you know the business world sort of, sort of requires it. You know, on, on the on the investment side, I, I will also kind of dive into a little bit that. I think the same factors that have driven climate and carbon related actions in the corporate in the corporate landscape are the same same factors that are that are driving plastics, meaning that investors and customers and company employees and supply chains are really demanding that companies, well, one, take action on climate because of, because of that critical issue, but also the issue of plastic pollution and plastic waste is so much now in the in, in the in the public eye, that you know all all those same stakeholders want companies to address the plastic problem one way or another, whether they whether they're an actual plastic producer or a large um, plastic user like like a beverage company or or a consumer packaging company, but even even companies like you know an airline, a bank, uh, a hotel, a retailer, they all have plastic footprints to some degree, no matter what their business is, and so the public now is just expecting companies to you know, to take action and, and help work on the problem and so thankfully uh, the plastic credit mechanism now is, is providing the you know structured certified avenue to do that so now that we've talked about that as a you know kind of laying the the groundwork there let's talk about some specific projects so when you say a ton of plastic a literal physical ton has been removed from the ocean how do you actually do that I'll, I'll before kind of j- jumping into maybe talking about a couple of specific projects to let people sort of hopefully get an idea of, of what they do and, and and how they function. I'll say that in general, plastic credit projects are a little more complicated or have or at least have a lot more features to them 
than something like a project that does carbon offsetting. And mainly that aspect comes from the the human factor in, in, in these projects. You know, for every ton of plastic that either gets removed from the environment or reprocessed or recycled, you know, there there are humans working on on all of that every time. And so the people who are working on the projects oftentimes in locations that are the most affected and, and being negatively impacted by by plastic waste are, are very much local stakeholders in in, in, the, in the projects themselves and, and, and should be the, the long-term beneficiaries of what the projects should be accomplishing. Uh, actually, I, if we have time, I'm going to talk about two different projects um, in two different parts of the world to kind of give, give, give people a visual of what these projects look like. So our our first project, which you, which we brought up before, is in Vietnam, and it's called Ton. It's called Ton to Ton, and they specifically target the the ocean bound plastic removal of non recyclable, no value plastic, and they they remove this material from rivers and shorelines and uh, islands and coastal communities, and it's it's an, it's a no value plastic for one. It's just it is it's either one too damaged. From, from being in the environment to be able to be recycled or it's just the wrong sort of plastic that doesn't have a real feasible uh, re- recyclable application yet today. So it really ha- has no value to anyone. And the only way that this project can can afford to to remove this plastic from from the environment is through the, the, the financing of the plastic credit. And so the, the funding from the plastic credit mechanism allows the project to hire more workers create financial incentive structure for workers to be incentivized to collect more more of this no-value plastic through the program. This particular project in Vietnam is hires mostly female workers by design, giving giving them sort of above average pay than they would probably get otherwise, given their sort of education and skill level, providing personal protection equipment and and health insurance, which is, would also be a little difficult for for the average worker working in the project to to be able to afford on their own, and so that and so that project now is going to be expanding into Cambodia, uh, into in, and we we we're launching a pilot project first quarter of next year with the UN Development Program and the Cambodian Ministry of Environment to start in, in two coastal villages in Cambodia with with the Ton to Ton project areas that are very overwhelmed really with with, with ocean plastic pollution and have nowhere to put it once it's collected. And so we're, we're going to be building collection centers for them to be able to deposit it and then um, be able to process it and then uh, longer term, you know, fi- find a next life solution for it. Uh, another very interesting project that, that we're are developing in, uh, in the Ivory Coast also collects uh, ocean-bound plastic from, from, the, uh, from the coastal environments in, in Ivory Coast. What they specifically do is, again, they're, they're collecting mostly non-value, non-recyclable plastic, and they have a proprietary formula that they use, putting different kinds of plastics together, and they produce uh, modular construction bricks out of it. And um, they, they make these bricks in, in their own facility and supply the bricks to UNICEF, which is building schools in Ivory Coast with with the bricks. And so... You know, they're, these schools are getting built in areas that have, you know, very under capacity for schools, given the, the amount of um, need that's there. So, so, so the project is really working on 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 two problems at once by by using the, this this removed plastic waste, making bricks out of it, and then you know, building schools that that kids in, in Ivory Coast very much need. 
Um, they also have a program um, called the Way Methodology, which is for women and young people. And it is all female worker participants are in it. And through the program, they get job training, worker rights advocacy for, in the waste management industry. And they get, uh, again, health insurance and also benefits for, for their childhood education. And so it's really providing them a career path that, that otherwise they really, you know, again, given, given their skill level and, and education, probably wouldn't be able to obtain otherwise. Yeah, so that, that's sort of a snapshot and two, two pretty interesting projects that we're working on. So a couple of things strike me. One, one is that, which I think is the most obvious one, right, that this type of mechanism really directly addresses multiple sustainable development goals at the same time. So that's one of our, the themes of all of our podcast, right, is that the sustainable development goals often conflict with one another, right? You know, it's, you have trade-offs you have to make when you're making decisions as a company, as a world, as a global community. And I think this is such an interesting project and initiative because it directly addresses two at the same time, right? With almost zero negative, you know, externalities associated with it. With it. So I think that's really interesting. And there's obviously, uh, like you said, because there's this human element, someone has to physically collect the plastic. There's this really natural fit with social development and and uh, jobs and local economies and all of that kind of stuff. Education, a lot of indirect benefits because of the human side of this. So I think that's really, really interesting. The other thing that strikes me is that it sounded to me when you were describing the finance mechanism that it's the plastic credit itself that creates the financial incentive to actually set up these companies and do this, right? So what I'm understanding here is that a lot of this ocean-bound plastic collection, um, especially of the non-recyclable, no-value plastic, wouldn't otherwise happen without the credit. Is that right? Is that fair to say, I guess? Yes, um, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. So um, the, the first project I talked about in Vietnam, um, without the without the plastic credit mechanism and without the funding that comes through it, there's really no way for this for this project to to function and exist. The, I mean, there's there's no economics that would support it. Uh, and so, you know, they, you know, through through the funding that that, that comes from the, the 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 credit transactions, you know, can can hire workers, pay workers, buy equipment um, to remove plastic that no one that no one has any incentive. To remove, besides just doing it on a on, on a volunteer basis, um, but you know, in the areas they're working, you know, the volumes of plastic uh, waste are, are so high that you know, an occasional beach cleanup is not, is not going to do much, much, is not not going to have, have have much impact. Um, and so, also, you know, the, the longer term goals out of these plastic credit projects is not just to keep removing plastic on an ongoing basis. But to use, you know, maybe the funding that comes in year two, year three, to build uh, more advanced waste management facilities to create new recycling infrastructure that 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 doesn't exist at all in, in most of these locations, and so, you know, and and, and in doing that can create a, create a, a long a longer term problem for for the you know in in each location, and hopefully in the meantime. You know, other parts of the landscape, you know, uh, in, in industry and product design and and alternative material use, you know, can can solve some of the production 
uh, of the plastic in the first place. So you know, plastic credits certainly aren't going to solve all of our plastic problems, but they're going to solve some things very well. And they're not meant to be permanent. You know, I, I don't want to see a plastic credit project still doing what they're doing today 15 years from now, because that means that, that something ha- hasn't gone right. There, there's a concept in the in the in the carbon offset world of of projects having permanence, especially with, like with forestry projects. And so companies buy forestry offsets you know, with with the with the intention of, ha- of them having permanence, meaning that they should that those forests should be standing 100 years from now. Um, for a plastic credit project, by design, we don't want permanence. We want them to have a limited life. And so, because if, if that's the case, that means that that we've been successful in transforming sort of landscape that that that, that these problems exist in. That's so interesting that this distinction of of permanence that definitely something that wouldn't have occurred to me, but it makes total sense, right? Because this is this is tackling like I hate to say low hanging fruit. We say that all the time, but it's mm-hmm. it's some of the it's the obvious things like yes, we need to clean up coastlines, we need to clean up the ocean. Um, it seems very basic, and yet you know, of course, like you said, doesn't get to the root causes of the problem, but is a really important incentive to make it happen when it otherwise wouldn't. Right. I think the other thing I was thinking about is just more broadly how interesting it is that there's so much novel finance just generally to help solve these global problems that affect everyone, but obviously most times affect countries experiencing poverty and communities experiencing poverty much more profoundly than, say, us sitting in our comfortable homes here um, in the U.S. So I, I think there's there's just a more creativity and innovation happening right now in financial markets, in environmental commodities markets, to use market-based mechanisms to incentivize things that contribute to the public good, contribute to the sustainable development goals. It's just so interesting to me. That, and you're, you're, you're right to look at it that way. And I think you know a, a new innovation like the plastic credit also has these, these other expansive financial impacts in, in the communities that they're working in. A, a real direct example is that the funding from the plastic credit, obviously, as I talked about before, you know, is helping to, to remove plastic from, from these, from these certain communities that are, that are getting inundated with it. Some of these communities, you know, are traditional fishing villages, which today there's villages that are catching more plastic than fish. So their, their, their income is, is being, directly damaged by by the plastic and they can't make a living the way they used to because there's you know the plastic is literally in the way of, of their fishing business and also other areas are suffering from ecotourism that would, which used which used to you know be sort of ecotourism hotspots uh, where, where visitors would want to go to you know see pristine coral reefs and beaches and jungles or, or mangrove areas or today they're inundated with plastic pollution, and tourists is not going to want to spend money to go to, to go to a, a national park that's covered in in plastic. And so these communities, you know, which which had pretty good businesses for a while, for the ecotourism, um, is getting damaged too. So the benefit of that comes from the funding from plastic credits in, in the communities like that, where you know initially it's it's giving people some some jobs and some other social benefits around the work that they're doing to remove the plastic, but you know, places like that, 
it's actually going to hopefully restore you know longer term employment opportunities for them. So bringing it back to the topic of ESG and thinking about from a corporate perspective, from an investor perspective, how one might use plastic credits as part of um, as part of say achieving a target. Say I have a plastic reduction target. Uh, to reduce the use of plastic in my company. Obviously, I have to use some plastics. I'm a manufacturer, Mm -hmm. and that's actually one of our clients, right? They have an internal plastic reduction target. Um, It seems like this would be a nice way to become plastic neutral, even if you you can't eliminate every part of plastic that you use because it's just so ubiquitous and is obviously necessary for for a lot of manufacturing processes and you know, parts, components, that sort of thing. But if there's a way to, I I guess, is offset the right word, offset the remaining part of their footprint using a plastic credit, then you can actually help get to that plastic neutral goal. Is that a fair way to think of it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's a way it's, it's not quite as easy or as, as linear, I guess, as, as the offsetting happens in the carbon world, you know, with with with, with carbon offsets, you're you're basically counting greenhouse gas molecules from one one place or another, and in the atmosphere, the math is all the same. Um, with, with plastic, it, it does get a little more complicated because there's different types of plastic, and 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 companies use plastic differently depending on what their business is, um, and so, you you know, it's it's going to be tough for for companies to really you know, offset probably all, all, all of their plastic footprint, depending on what they do. But it's certainly a, a voluntary way for a company to take to take action, you know, to, to proactively take action to help mitigate a certain volume of plastic that, that that's that's damaging, you know, global society. A c- couple of specific examples that you know, if you're a if you're a computer company, you know, your product only has a little bit of plastic in it. You know, it's not you you don't have a big plastic footprint given given your whole business, but you have a little bit of plastic in, in, in the machine and you, and there's probably some, some plastic used in, in, in the shipping and, and the, and the packaging, you know, for, for the time being, it's pretty tough to make, to make a, a functioning computer without using some plastic. I mean, it's, it's just not feasible to not use it. And so while a computer company has to do that, you're using a plastic credit to address a certain volume that that is in their corporate footprint uh, through the plastic credit is can, can be done specifically, you know, because it's done by weight. And so, you know, the thing, if you're a cruise line or a hotel or a, a bank or an airline or, or, you know, every, every company has some sort of plastic use in their business, no matter what they do. It's just, it's just a fact of life. And so, you know, this is a, again, a voluntary way to take action to meet plastic goals that if a company doesn't have yet, I, I would say that almost every company is going to have them in the next few years because it's seen the same way that the carbon world unfolded. The interesting thing around using plastic credits with, with ESG goals in that it usually starts as a plastics discussion or an environmental waste and pollution topic. But as we've already talked about, the social aspects around these projects are so key to the project and and there's and there's such a there's such an important core part of it that if done right you know you can actually address social issues in the same project you know like 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 with one like with the project we mentioned that that hire all female workers if you have a goal to help promote the employment of 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 women in in a developing country you know this is a a way to to measure that directly 
or or, or provide health insurance, you know, provide greater health access, or or there's a variety of, of ways to do it that you know again start as a plastic problem, but 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 uh, address sort of a, an array of issues and overall in 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 climate goods plastic credit program through 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 the whole program we're we're aligned with eight different sustainable development goals across the menu of projects so chris i mean this sounds really really interesting for corporations for investors especially if you have a geographic specific fund or you operate in a certain country where like you said maybe you're a cruise line and clean coastlines are important to you right but not necessarily that. Maybe you're a manufacturing company that has facilities in Vietnam, right? There's there's some really interesting direct linkages there that, like you said, I think are part of a larger part of a much larger story to tell. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what if I wanted to offset my own plastic footprint? Can individuals buy these as well? You can. We've recently launched a, a new service for individuals and families to do that, where we actually it's called. Uh, Climco Green Service, where you can go on and calculate your, your sort of average family footprint for for plastic by country, and then and then from that by the kilogram, you 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 can sort of offset your offset your your, your family plastic footprint, you know, and and then, and then you know learn about all 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 the um, aspects of, of what the projects are doing, and um, yeah, it can be taken down down to the uh, individual level by 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 kilogram. Wow, that's super cool. I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I know I should know about it, but it, it's only week six. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but that's really, really interesting. Well, thanks so much for being on. I mean, this is such a fascinating topic. As folks know on this podcast, I'm a big fan of market solutions for any global externality problem. <laughs> so it's really, really interesting to dive into this with you. Thanks so much, Chris. And we'll have a long list on the resource boost for this episode because there's a lot of different players that Chris mentioned. So you can find all of that in the social media and in the podcast descriptions. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great weekend. Appreciate you having me on and it was great talking about this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to ESG Decoded. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you consume yours and follow ESG Decoded and Global Affairs Associates across social media platforms. Until our next episode, take what you learned today to drive long-term value for your organization by doing good for people and for the planet.